0: Welcome to Calvary Revival Church Podcast, where we exist to know God, live generously, discover purpose, and make a difference. Wherever you are listening from, our desire is for this practical teaching to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of the people and community around you. And now, let's prepare ourselves for an uplifting experience.
1: We're seeing some things pop off now that we need God to anoint us in a way that's beyond anything we've ever seen before. We can't just have church but we've got to we gotta be the church. So I'm gonna I'm challenging y'all to come back next Sunday. Next Sunday's Father's Day. I want to, I want you to come to church next Sunday. If you're watching online I want you to be online next Sunday. If you got if you if you can I want you to be in God's house on next Sunday. And then I want you to come the next two or three Sundays. I want to teach some things that I'll start today. But I can't finish it today. Matter of fact, y'all, I can't even finish today what I got for you for today. It's it's too much. But I want to start with John chapter 4. And I want to talk to you today and for maybe two or three weeks about living life to give life. Living life to give life. I want to introduce a word to you this morning. I want you to write it down or type it in. Uh, and don't fake me out. Don't be texting people and acting like you typing notes that I'm preaching. Because the Lord will mess around and make your little thing freeze up. <laughs> you don't want the Lord to reveal you by smoke coming about your phone, do you? So, so what I want you to do is I want you to write the word transactional. Transactional. And I want to define it a little bit, but I don't want to get deep. Because I don't want you to get caught up in that yet. But I want transactional. And, and what I want to do is I want to talk to you a little bit about how we live like Jesus by becoming less transactional and more purposeful so Bishop what do you mean by transactional well simply uh, simply this for the most part we live our lives we do something to get something three honest people said amen ain't nobody else saying nothing how many y'all go to work to get something call a check right So we are primarily transactional. I have to meet with you because I need you to sign off on mine. I have to talk with you because I need your approval for. I have to sit with you because I need to inform you of. I have to go to work because I got to get paid. I need to come to church because I need a word. Right? I got to come to church. I I want the Lord to give me something. We are primarily transactional in that for us, everything is about a transaction. Most of us in our friendships, even in our marriage relationships, it's transactional. Yes. I bless you when you bless me. Yeah. You bless me twice, I bless you twice. Y'all ain't going to talk now. So it's a transaction. So what I want you to see about Jesus is that he doesn't live transactionally. Matter of fact, here's Jesus. Jesus lives life to give and as a result never has any needs. We live life to get, and we're always in need. Can I say it again so I want you to catch this? He lives life to give, and he's never in need. We live life to get, and we're always in need. Not at me. Say amen, or I'm the woman, or something. Yeah, we we, we live that way. And so what I'll do is read a story in John 4, and I'm going to tell you all, if you knew the church, and I'll explain this phrase. I am swimming upstream today. By that I mean everything I say today goes against everything the world is saying. You ain't nothing on Instagram going to confirm what I'm saying. This is totally against the world's thinking, what I'm preaching today. It's right. Like, it's totally upside down. It is totally different from everything that you've probably even been taught. You've been taught if you if you gonna if you have stuff, you gotta go go after it. Forget about other folk. You gotta go after it for yourself. That's the motivational speaking. That's even the stuff we hear in church. It's your time now. Time for you to receive. Everybody else been getting blessed. Your time to get blessed. Yes. Go ahead. There ain't no scripture for that. It's it's selfish and it's transactional. And what it does is it teaches people a false idea of prosperity that leads them into poverty. When Jesus said, if you will come after me first, if you'll put my kingdom first, then I'll fix all this other stuff for you if you come after me first. Are y'all with me? I'm taking a little bit longer to introduce with you all because there are more younger believers and more folks who haven't been saved a, a long time. So I want to give you time to start to digest this because if, you if you're not digesting it, it's not going to help you because there ain't no show in this. This ain't sexy. This is just Word. And so I want you to get the Word because I'm not, I'm not trying to wow you uh, uh, with, uh, uh, with my preaching. I need you to get understanding. John 4, verse 1. Some of y'all know the story. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. See how transactional the Pharisees are? It's who's get making the most disciples, who's the biggest name, who bringing in the most people. How many of y'all can hear that's how the world operates? Who got the most followers? Who's really well known? Who can really, who can really blow us up? Who, who can we bring in that'll really make us some money? That's, that's how the Pharisees operated transactionally. Though Jesus himself didn't really baptize them, but his disciples did. So he left Judea. So Judea was the big spot where he was blowing up. He leaves Judea and goes somewhere else. Who does that? You sign an autographs and make him bank and leave. Who does that? He leaves Judea where they're singing his praises, talking about how bad he is, and leaves Judea and returns to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the village that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, he sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Please give me a drink. Uh, he, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, shocked. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. matter of fact, she said to Jesus, you're a Jew, watch this, and I am a Samaritan woman. I'm not just a Samaritan. I'm not just an outcast, but I'm a female outcast. So I'm at the bottom even of the outcast list. So why would you ask me for something? Why would you ask me for a drink? Jesus replied, as only Jesus can. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're talking to, you would ask me, and I would give you the living water. Father, thank you for the reading of Scripture, and thank you, Lord, for pulling your people together in this service to hear the Word. Let the Word come alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to learn to live to give. Come and look at your other neighbor and say, I'm going to learn to live to give. Now, here's Jesus, y'all. The Bible says, if you read the text, the Bible says he had to go through Samaria. I want to explain to you that he didn't have to go through Samaria because of the GPS. He had to go through Samaria because the Samaritan woman was there. In other words, what Jesus is doing is he is always building what he does based upon individuals that need the life that only he can give. So even though they're talking about how bad he is and how much bigger he is than John the Baptist, he ain't conflicted about that and he's not tripping about his press. What Jesus says is it doesn't matter what y'all say. Here's what matters. I'm the one that finds people that have a need and I bring them what they need. I'm in this to change change individuals and so there's a man named Zacchaeus we talked about him he is uh, he is lonely and, uh, and, he, and he feels invisible. Jesus sees him and goes home with him and cures both of his issues. He finds a woman who is being persecuted uh, uh, for adultery. She's being persecuted unfairly. And because she's being prosecuted unfairly, he defends her. Because this is how Jesus lives. He's always looking for the opportunity so that he can step in. The Syrophoenician woman, uh, a woman of African descent, comes to Jesus because her daughter is sick and and, uh, and bound by demons. But the disciples who are transactional say, why are you letting her hang around us? She is working our nerves. In other words, we can't get nothing from her. She ain't got nothing to give us. Why are you putting up with her? But Jesus puts up with her because he is not transactional. He is purposeful and relational and said, it ain't about what she can give me it's about what I can give her. He meets the Samaritan woman and she rolls out with the same transactional language. Why are you talking to me? I can't do nothing for you. I'm a Samaritan woman. I'm broke. I ain't got nothing to offer you. Why are you asking me for a drink? What she doesn't know is Jesus doesn't need her water. Jesus needs to understand her pain so that he can give her what he has for her. Because he didn't come by the well to get something from her. He came by the well for her. And so he shows up at the well ready to change her life because he refuses to be some transactional rabbi, some transactional teacher who is in it for what he can get from other people. He comes and here's what he wants to teach us. He wants to teach us to live life the way he lived it waking up every day knowing that God's hand is on your life and that God has somebody that he's going to send your way who desperately needs what you have in your life. Did you notice that Jesus was both weary and thirsty and likely hungry when he sat by the well and changed that woman's life? Because even in your weary days, God's hand is still on you. Even in your struggling days, God's hand is still on your life. Even when you feel like you need help, you still got more than somebody that's totally depleted spiritually and doesn't have life in Christ Jesus. Your worst day as a Christian is better than their best day as an unbeliever. When you don't seem like nothing is coming together for you, you're still going to heaven anyway. Even when it's not coming together, Jesus is weary, but he's still changing lives because of what's inside him. Look at your neighbor and say, it's what's inside you. Now, let me give I want to give you three perspectives of Jesus that we must begin to adopt in our walk with God, because if we do not, we won't be able to be everything that he's willed for us to be. So we'll start simply with the very first thing, and that is this, Jesus was always conscious of who was in his path. Now, for us, oftentimes, you know, especially as people of color, we talk a lot about feeling invisible. But we make a lot of people invisible, too. You know, when you ain't been seen, it's real easy not to see. When you have been invisible, it's real easy to be so caught up in your invisibility that you forget about somebody else who is also invisible. But now Jesus has seen you and delivered you. Now he wants to open your eyes so that you don't do to others what has been systematically done to you all of your life. In other words, you're not this spirit-filled, tongue-talking, great old big Bible-carrying Christian, and then there are people walking around you who you are oblivious to because they are invisible to you, and now you're committing the same sin as a spirit-filled believer that's been committed committed against you for generations because you are living your life transactionally about you so you don't see anybody else around you are you hearing me you see here's where I'm gonna get in big trouble but I'm gonna say it and then y'all just have to live with it for a minute believers cannot live for themselves Believers can't live for themselves. You all understand that if I was to pre- change my preaching a little bit and I just preach, you know what? American Christianity sounds more like a game show than it does the Bible. And what do we have for him behind door number three, Johnny? Come on. Let's go. You want $100,000. You just got a new car. You're on your way to a vacation in the Bahamas. And this type of transactional teaching and preaching makes Christianity in the Western Hemisphere some skewed false religion. And that's the reason unsaved people don't want to have nothing to do with it. Because it sounds like the same game, the same gimmick, the same okie doke that everybody else got. It's just got Jesus in it. Y'all let me, ain't going to say nothing now. You see, this is what our Christianity has become, and we wonder why Christianity is booming in China and booming in Nigeria and booming in Brazil because they are living out real, authentic Christianity that is not based on what I can get, what I can have, and what the Lord is going to give me and how the Lord is going to bless me, but it's based upon what kind of blessing can I be in my life because it comes to a point where if I begin to seek the kingdom first he'll add the stuff to me you see here's what I learned I can have the stuff everybody else is cheating to get if I just love Jesus he'll give me what everybody else is trying to get he'll add it to me but I have to make a paradigm shift and seek the kingdom first are you hearing me because believers not only can't live for themselves, but they cannot define success based on materialism. Right. Now, listen, yo, I know we got to get paid. I know we got to pay bills. I know we got to do our thing. I got you on that. I got you. I know everybody can't work as a volunteer. I know you got to make your money. I got you. But the problem is when that is the driving force in the Christian's life. So so I go to work for because I got to get paid. That's where I'm going. Now, if I can help somebody while I'm getting paid, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> but I'm hoping here, because y'all got to give me my check. All right. All right. And so since I'm check-driven, then God can give me an assignment in a place, and then I can get offered a five-cent raise. Okay. Okay. Five pennies. <laughs> a nickel. And I'm jumping ship. Going to the other place Why I spent the whole five cent on the two blocks extra that I had to drive to get there because, you know, gas is real. But I didn't care because I'm deceived by my transactional life. So I've jumped ship from an assignment God gave me that I'm not finished with yet because my life is so transactional that I make my decisions based solely upon how much money can I make if I go over here. Are y'all hearing me? So so you operate and you function that way long enough that you start to then line up your religion around that. And you start thinking that's the way God would have you to live. When the truth is, somebody said that uh, every day is a good day to reach your goals. Measure your success by how many people you can bless. Y- 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 y'all know who said, who y'all think said that? Mother Teresa, Dr. Martin Luther King, Rick Ross. It's right on the back of the wrap snacks bag, right on the back of that. It's on the bag right there. I'm telling you. So if Rick has figured out that you measure success by the people you bless, what in the heaven are we doing? Now, we got all this word, and we all saved, and We we down on that because y'all ain't got the word. True. But we live in our lives with the word in a way that's oftentimes more transactional than the world. And we expect God to come through for us. And he does not because that type of lifestyle makes you and I oblivious to the people on our path. You see, because Jesus didn't go to Samaria to get paid, he went to Samaria to release something to this woman's life that would change not only her, her family, her village, and ultimately, historically, Samaria would build one of the most powerful, lasting churches in all of Christendom. In the last 2,000 years, it would come out of Samaria because Jesus tired sat down by a well and talked to a woman that wouldn't nobody else talk to that was totally oblivious to everybody else even his disciples said why are you talking to her because they are so transactional they see no reason to tell her she ain't got no offering she can't give us no money she can't get us she can't open no doors for us she ain't got nothing she's tripping Why are you talking to her? Because they are religious and transactional. He is spiritual and relational and purposeful. He is hearing from God and moving in God. I need you for 30 seconds to imagine a church that is so full of folk that are purposeful in the way they live. That all 1,200 of us or 1,500 of us that came to church today, we go through the entire week every day saying, God, show me exactly who is in my path and get me ready so I can have a word for whoever I come in contact with and God help me forget my little frustration and put my focus on somebody that's on their way to hell or who may not be on the way to hell or don't know they are but their life feels like a living hell and here I am I've got all this Jesus But none of it is sustainable in that it can't be transferred to nobody else. If the Jesus you got can't be shared, it ain't Jesus. It's just religion. If all you got, if what you got can't be released and doesn't have power with other folk, you ain't really got the real Jesus. You got some other form of something that might sound like Jesus. Because see, Jesus said this. This scripture in Luke 8 35 really got me. Jesus says, Who touched me? Now it's like, it's like the Macy's, it's like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade on Fifth Avenue. Jesus walking with hundreds of people. Everybody's touching him. And Jesus hollering, Who touched me? His disciples said, He unlost it, y'all. Because everybody, they, they said to him, they said, Lord, <clears throat> excuse us, rabbi, but <clears throat> All right now. everybody's touched. Oh, y'all don't understand. There somebody touched me and pulled something out of me that was life changing for that individual. In other words, what he understood was the power of the touch. And what God wants to do with us as believers is make us women and men who know how to touch people until something runs out of our life into their life and totally redirects and reconstructs their DNA and chromosomes and changes their life into something they never thought it could be. Y'all don't believe me, but it is possible for you to change a life. Touch somebody and say, it's all in the touch. It's all in the touch. But you see, if you're not conscious of who's on your path, you'll never touch anybody because you're too busy mad because your schedule ain't working out. Y'all know I fly a lot. And uh, I, I tell the saints all the time, I said, you know, if y'all ever hear a rumor that Bishop got, Bishop got his own jet. I do. I just don't know why they keep writing Delta across my jet. And all these other people be up in my jet that I don't even know. And I'm in the back. What's up with this? But I do, but I fly relatively a lot. And I am amazed by the complainers. The man announced, the sister announced, plane is having some mechanical issues and we're working on it. And I got folks talking about, hurry up, get it fit quick. Really? I'm going to need y'all to take y'all's time. Because I'd rather get there late than not ever get there. Y'all ain't going to talk to a brother. And so I need to sit my happy self down in my little chair, get my Bible out stay in the word, keep my spirit right because the plane may be late because somebody is suicidal and they needed me to stay in the airport another hour so that they could get to me so that I could touch them and give them. My God, I feel like preaching. In other words, I'm not living my life on my transactional ticket. I'm living my life so I can touch somebody on the way to where I'm going because I'm, I've learned it like this, y'all more happens through me on the way sometimes (laughs) than where I'm going. (laughs) I get more people touched while I'm just on the way to where I'm going. See, that's what Jesus did. Jesus would be on his way somewhere. And a lady had an issue of blood for 12 years. Boom, she gets healed. And a little child, 12 years old, sick and dead, she gets up. And another fella got leprosy. Boom. And the whole Bible is Jesus on his way somewhere. While he is on his way, God is using him. I need you to get this while you are on your way. You need, to become, you need to become sensitive to the fact that God is with you on your way. So when it slow down, it don't work out right. It's not happening. Hurry up. I come back to this. I'm almost out of time, y'all. But Jesus planned his schedule around the plan of God. I need you to look at somebody and tell them my time is not my own. And I know some of y'all, y'all didn't mean it. Here it is. I just said, my time is mine. Don't be messing with me. Well, look at Psalms 139, 15. I'll read it to you. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. It's amazing isn't it so that means before mom and dad conceived me in the womb he'd already mapped out in heaven he'd already mapped out my life he'd already planned that whole thing out he's already sovereign i was a life before i was a life uh, before I was even in the womb, you know, when people ask the question, when does the baby come a life? I was a life before I was even in there. He'd already mapped the whole thing out. Before I even got in the womb, it was already mapped out for me. And because I believe he's sovereign, I believe that he mapped it out in a way that ultimately works out for my good. Anybody, can I get a witness? Anybody else that believe that, but, but how total transparency? For me. Would y'all allow total transparency? Thank you. I just needed one person. I don't need everybody's permission, but if I can get one permission, I'm going for it. Total transparency. There are days that I look up and I say, uh, who's running that planning department up there? Because was this y'all's idea to make me wait a year and a half? For something I thought was supposed to happen in four days. Right. I, I, I just, y'all told me I could be totally transparent. Yes. There have been days I said, uh, so <clears throat> whose idea was it that I would get the cancer diagnosis? It would happen to me in the same year of my life that my dad had died. Okay. Who, who decided that at 58? My dad died at 58. Who decided that I would have cancer at 58? Because I'm not feeling y'all right now. Y- y'all's way. I know y'all say, oh, that's just, this should be careful. But no, no, no. I don't have to be careful. God knows I love him and I'm totally submitted to his plan. But I don't always see it. But you see, faith ain't faith till you don't see it. It's when you don't see it. See, it don't take faith to go where I understand. It takes faith to go where I don't understand. And there are seasons and places in my life that I do not fully understand, but yet I trust him to work it out. Why? Because his schedule becomes my schedule. And wherever I am at any particular time has to become schedule. That planned place where I'm supposed to be. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Do y'all see that? That even in Jesus' weariness, the plan of God is being worked out. Let's, he need to get weary right about now because need, he need to sit down. Because he need to sit down while they gone because we send in the lady and generations are going to change because of ladies. So he's going to be weary. He's going to sit. And he's just going to sit there doing nothing. That's hard for some of y'all. Doing nothing until the ladies show up. Why? Because he's on a mission. So the big joke that the kids have with Pastor Jay is that it can be something as simple as she had to make an adjustment in where she gets her hair done or changing nail tech or whatever. Pastor needs like, God has a mission in this for me. And the kids are always joking like, for mom, everything is a mission. Oh my God, it's a mission. Now just get your hair fixed, it's not a mission. But the truth is, y'all, Everything for the believer is a mission, because there's always some kind of connect that God is trying to bring about, and it don't happen in church. It happens out there somewhere, and so I gotta. And so I and I'm not talking about being spooky spiritual, and you know, oh, who cut on my side? Do I go to McDonald's or Burger King? Who's where does God want? I feel Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Hey, huh? thank you. No, 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 no. I I, I don't mean it that way. I just mean knowing that wherever I decide to go, because at the beginning of the day, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I said, Jesus, guide me today. So when I show up in that line, I know that whoever I come in contact with in that line, God has set me up to say something that might bring them out of bondage and change their life forever because my life is in his hands. And the truth is, y'all, I wish I had time to preach it. I, I'm going to stop right here. How many of y'all want to hear the rest? Yeah. Yes. You're going to have to come back another Sunday. <laughs> because Jesus loved the Samaritan woman to life. Uh, y'all, I almost I must get emotional when I start thinking about it. He, he didn't know her as in having an actual uh, relationship with her the, where they'd had coffee or been, become friends. He didn't need to. He loved that woman. She didn't know how to handle it. He loved her. And see, the truth is, y'all, love doesn't start with people. Love starts with God. Did you hear what I said? 1 John is real clear that, uh, 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 that, that he that loveth not, he that does not love doesn't know God because God is love. And so love doesn't start with uh, people. Love literally starts with God. 1 John 4, 7. It literally starts with God. And so we love God, and as a result, we ask the Lord to teach us to love people. And when you love people, you see people. The reason it hurts your feelings when people treat you like you're invisible is because when they don't see you, they don't love you. Or we don't even have to use the word love. Maybe that's too deep. When they don't see you, they don't see you as having any significance. You're insignificant to them because they don't see you. So what happens to me as a born-again, spirit-filled believer when I don't see somebody? Now, I send the message that they're insignificant, that they don't matter. Maybe because of bad choices that they've made or choices that I think are bad. Or because of maybe a lifestyle they've chosen that I think is is against scripture. But this Samaritan woman, I love Jesus because he found her pain points. See, all of you all by now should have a frank list. You've got friends who are unsaved you're praying for, relative that's unsaved you're praying for, acquaintance that's unsaved that you're praying for, a neighbor that's unsaved that you're praying for, a co-worker that's unsaved that you're praying for. A you're praying for. But You're never going to get to the point where you can share the story of what Jesus can do until you start to hear their pain. Because Jesus uses people's pain points to bring Scripture in, to bring the Word in, to bring life to them. Remember how he played the lady at the well? She's like, I want the water, I want the water, I want the water. He's like, cool, go get your husband. She said, I don't have one. He said, I know, you had five. You got to do now that you don't trust him enough to marry him, but it's okay. I'm your seventh man. Seven is always fulfillment. He He peeped her pain out. Her pain was she'd been through several relationships and none of it brought fulfillment. He says, today, though, I give you what completes you. At that moment, she dropped her water pot and ran. See, we want people to drop their water pot before they see Jesus for who he is. But you don't drop your water pot or your pot or anything else that you've been getting high on until you see him. And once you see him, then you can drop what's been your thing for now him because you see him. But he doesn't introduce himself as Messiah until he first addresses her pain. The woman caught in adultery. Remember, he would end up saying, now, sis, don't do this no more. Stop this today. But he didn't start there. First thing he did was protect her. So they couldn't stone her. Love her and embrace her. Because she, he, knew, he knew she was being treated unfairly, right? So he stood in her defense. Then after he got rid of all them jokers, they all left, the Bible said. He said, now come here, sis. He said, you know, I got your back. I covered you, I love you, I got you. But don't let them, don't, don't let them bring you back for that no more. We want to bring, we we want to go there first before we've developed a relationship. See, it is in my seeing their pain they give me permission to share the cure. But I don't get that by just slapping them over the head with a Bible or throwing them a track. Got to develop some relationships. And I want to teach you all that, and I'll spend some time in the coming weeks. We'll talk more about it, and we'll share more about it. How do you do that? But I want you to start this week with a, what I'm just simply calling a paradigm shift. Here's what, it's just a noisy word that means a total change of thinking. That's what a paradigm shift is. It's a total change of thinking. Does that, does that make sense to you all? So let me give you a quick example of a paradigm shift. A man's on a train. He has four, four children. They are wreaking havoc on the train. Uh, he's in the city, he's on the train, they're wreaking it. they're running on the train, they're throwing stuff on the train, they are jumping them down, they're crying, they're hollering, and the lady across from him sitting is watching this madness, she's like, oh my God. And the man's doing nothing, he's just sitting there with his hand in his, with his head in his hand like this, while his kids are just totally traumatizing everybody on the train. And the lady, when she finally could take it, no longer says, sir. Please get a hold of these kids. He looked up. He said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. My wife just died. We're on the train. We're coming home from the hospital now. She died 30 minutes ago. And I, I just, that's a paradigm shift. How many of y'all know that woman's whole thinking suddenly changed? That's the kind of shift I'm talking about you taking in your life today where you totally shift because you see what you've never seen before. Your life has been set up so that other lives can be changed by yours. Will you live life to give life? Come on, y'all sitting down like y'all want me to preach another hour, but I can't do it. Y'all stand up. Come on, on, y'all stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you all stand with me? We're going to do some things that are very sacred, so nobody moving around, walking around or talking. Just for a few moments, I just need you to, to honor Jesus and the presence of his spirit in this place and just bow your head and close your eyes. And, uh, for a moment, let me ask a few questions, and we'll go home in just a few moments. Question number one is, are you, who's here and says, Pastor. I don't know where I stand with God. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm right with God or not. But I sure want to be. Would you pray for me today that I will get right with God? Would you just raise your hand up and down real fast? Up and down real quick. I see you. I see you, young lady. I see you, young man. I see you all over the place. Question number two. Who's here that says, Pastor, I was serving the Lord, but I got off and I get lost my way. And I'm out here now and I, need, I want you to pray for me that I'll come back to where I belong, because I don't belong out here in these streets like this. I, I want to serve God. Would you pray for me that I'll come back home? Would you just raise your hand? And I will raise your hand. I see you back in the back. I see you. Anybody else? Say pray for me, because I want to come back home. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I've, I've accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, but I've been keeping it on the low. I've not really publicized it. never gotten baptized. You know, I've never done anything in public so people know that I'm saved. But I'm starting to feel like now I need to get my courage up and let everybody know I'm saved. And take that step to be baptized. If that's you, would you slip your head up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want the courage to go ahead and get baptized and to let my friends and everybody know I'm living for Jesus now. I'm saved now. And finally, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't have a church home. You know, throughout the pandemic, I watch people on the tube and all that. I even watch you sometimes, but uh, I still don't have a real church home. I'm not attached anywhere, and I recognize, even while you're preaching, that I need to be somewhere where I'm consistently growing, hearing the Word, sharing my gifts and talents to bless other people in the kingdom. Uh, I'm one of those people that needs a church home. Would you pray for me today? Come on, slip that hand up. If that's you, slip that hand up. God bless you. See those hands. So I want to do just that. I want to pray for you and give you some direction. So if you raised your hand for any of the things that I just mentioned, then I want you to just grab your Bible, book, purse, whatever you got, and I want you to just walk up here to the front, and we're going to pray together, and I'm going to give you some steps to take next. Would you come if you raised your hand for any of the things that I mentioned? Or if you didn't raise your hand because I didn't say it just right, because for you, if you did, if I just said, I just need some prayer, I need help, I want to get right, come on just come on, we'll, we'll, we'll pray with you so if you'll come, folks who raised their hands would you come, stand with me, make the walk take your time, we're good to wait for you till you get here God bless you young man, thank God for you all God bless you ma'am. God bless you sir, come on come on, folks are coming from all over would y'all just pray church for a minute and then we're going to uh, uh, we're, we're going to all share together in just a moment thank you, thank you, just come on come on, come on, come on young lady. just keep on coming, let's keep on coming Keep on coming, keep on walking. Come on, keep on walking. Come on. Right here, you're on that front row right here. Come on. Hey, come on. Come on, sis. Come on, right there, right here. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Come on. Just jump in there anywhere. Don't matter. Just jump in there anywhere. We ain't we ain't in school. Come on. Come on. Come on, sis. Come on. Come on. Step right up There you there. All right, y'all good. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm, I'm getting ready to pray. I'm if you waiting on me to tell scary stories about hell to get you to come up here, that ain't gonna happen you come because you want to, not because I scared you into coming. Are you, do you want to come get it right today? Today would be a good day to get it right. Today would be a good day to say, you know, I'm tired of this foolishness. I'm, I'm ready to get it right to God. I mean, God has just got his arms wide open for you because he loves you. He wants you. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you in his church. He wants you to get right. That's what he wants from you. And he loves you. Man, he's in love with you. He's crazy about you. And it don't matter what you've done or where you've been or what mistakes you've made or who said you ain't never going to be, it's all a lie. God's got plans for you. He does. Jesus stopped by here today to touch you. Now, here's what we're going to do, y'all, because I don't like surprises. so I don't like to surprise people because I don't like surprises. So I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. No surprises. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. To pray along with me, that prayer is a prayer to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of all your sins. I realize that some of you have already done that, but because I don't know who has it who hasn't, that's a chance I'm not willing to take. Therefore, I'm going to lead everybody in that prayer, and don't take any offense to that. Second thing I'm going to do is after I lead you in prayer, I'm going to pray for you. And I know we're still COVID-conscious, so I'm not going to lay hands on you. But I'm going to pray for you. This prayer will work without me ever touching you. This prayer will work. I'm going to pray for you. And then after that, I'm going to ask you to give us five or ten minutes for us to share what do I do next. So if you've come to give your heart to Jesus, when you go home today, you'll know what my next step is. If you've come because you want to get baptized, you'll know what my next step is. If you've come because you want to become a partner with CRC, you'll know what the next step is. We really, we're big on that, you all, because we see people come to an altar, they want to get right, but nobody really helps them know what to do next. So would you bow your head and so I want y'all to pray this prayer out loud with me, like this. Lord Jesus, I need you. I open my heart and I ask you, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, and make me new. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. I confess it with my mouth and believe it in my heart. Thank you for loving me. Take my life and make my life what you designed it to be. I give you my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for my sisters and brothers. Thank you for the decision that they've made today to make Jesus the Lord of their life or the decision they've made to come back to the Lord or to be baptized or become a part of the church. Whatever their decision is, I stand with them in faith and thank you that they're going to follow through on that decision and their life will never be the same. I speak life and blessing over every one of them. And I thank you, Lord, for your love for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Let the Lord know y'all are excited about what God's doing. Woo. Anybody ready to make a difference in your world this week? Anybody ready to be less transactional and more purposeful? Come on, throw those hands up. Father, in Jesus' name, together we stand, believing that you're going to help us to be very conscious of the fact that you put people along our pathway and that you've raised us up Planned our lives so that we can touch lives thank you lord that even in doing that many of the things that we've been praying for and trusting you for you're just going to make it happen you said seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then all these other things will just be added to us and so lord even as we begin to say yes to living like jesus lived a life that lives to give thank you for meeting every need of every woman every man, every child in this place. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all go be great this week. Let the Lord use y'all in a powerful way.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you, and we have some tools to help you on your journey. Just text JESUS to 48074. To find out more about Calvary Revival Church, text GUEST to 48074. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make a difference.